politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, Minutemen and guardians of freedom to the one and only Conservative Review podcast here at Blaze Media. And yes, it is E-Day, 10 a.m. early in the morning, relatively early in the morning for our uh, recording here. But E-Day is really more like D-Day here on this Tuesday, November the 3rd. It's like D-Day because this is our landing. This is our chance to make a beachhead. If you remember in World War II, that was the beginning, not the end. And as I noted yesterday in the last couple of days, the election is only the beginning for us. Let us not make the same mistakes of the past. I am giddy. I am excited like all of you are. I have a very good feeling about this election. Now, what's always hard about recording on election day is, you know, the information could become obsolete within a couple hours by the time you get this. So we're definitely going to record a little early today. Um, but as always, our shows are really evergreen because we focus on principle. You see, on the one hand, our message and our focus will diverge radically depending on what occurs tonight. But on the other hand, the goal is really the same. And that is, as I noted yesterday, to harness that energy that we have gotten on the ground, not just to win an election, but to make the election results meaningful so that we don't vote for freedom on the ballot, but like a fraudulent Philadelphia or Baltimore voting machine out pops tyranny even after you vote for freedom. That we don't have these loser Republicans that will only win because Trump drags them across the finish line. Your Martha McSally's, your Tom Tillis's, screw us later on or hijack the impending victory as if it's their own. Now look, nothing's in the bag, but it's becoming clearer by the minute, and this is very fluid, that Florida is looking amazing. The trend lines are great everywhere. It appears, by the, at the, based on the RCP average, that Trump is no longer worse off than he was in 2016, but possibly even better than some places, and Trump won in 2016. So the polls no longer have to be off more than they were in 2016, which it seems clear. Everyone agrees they're off to a certain extent. But the question is, how do we finally chart a, a path towards moving beyond the lesser of two evils? When it's not just, oh my gosh, the Democrats are terrible. We can't have them. But that we will affirmatively enjoy the fruits of that labor of this election and secure the policy outcomes that should naturally flow from them. Now, no matter what, as I said, this is something to be very proud of, the energy we're seeing, because the energy we're seeing is not voting for flaccid Republicans, even though often that's the only choice they have in most states, the governors, the senators, the congressmen. It's very clear the energy out there is for what you and I believe in as independent conservatives not as flaccid Republicans. So I'm feeling very good by the minute. I'm feeling better and better about the results. But either way, we need to stand vigilant. Now, one of the things we have to do no matter what is protect ourselves. 
okay, in the short run, especially if Trump wins, you will have the mob. Now, Trump needs to do his job of putting that down, and we're going to talk about that in the coming days. But for yourself, you must exercise your God-given right to self-defense. And that starts with supporting our sponsor today, We the People Holsters. You know, one of the reasons I don't want Trump to win (laughs) is because the price of ammo is going to skyrocket. It is just going to skyrocket. Well, actually, the truth is, if Biden wins, it will skyrocket even more. But either way, you're going to have the rioting. And you better make sure you have your ammo. But I have a way for you guys to get a holster without getting ripped off. Like you will with purchasing a gun or ammo. Starting at just $39, We The People holsters are custom designed to fit your firearm perfectly. And it's all made in the USA. They have thousands of options, right hand, left hand, outside the waistband, inside the waistband. I have right on me right now my outside the waistband holster for my Canik TPS-9. It's the elite version that I have because it's ambidextrous and I'm a lefty. But uh, anyway, they have adjustable Canton ride. It is the perfect versatility and security. It has that great click when you put it in. Very secure. But like some other holsters I've bought in, you know, off I, I've bought in the past, sometimes they kind of drag on you. It's hard to grab out. It, it holds it too much. This comes out like butter for draw shooting. Now is the time to support American companies, and now is the time to take your own life in your own hands, your own self-defense in your own hands. Don't rely on the police. Go to we the people's peopleholsters.com forward slash CR to get your own. Every holster ships free, comes with a lifetime guarantee. But here's the deal. You put in promo code CR, as in conservative review, CR, you get $10 off. That's with free shipping, satisfaction guaranteed. If it's not perfect, you can send it right back. We the people, holsters.com forward slash CR. We the people, forward slash CR, offer code CR. Now, folks, this is a big part of our movement. Part of what we talked about yesterday with harnessing that energy, the caravans, the rallies is to push back against Antifa and BLM. And part of that is citizen patrols. And I think one of the movements I want to start pushing is working with some of the local sheriffs to train a posse. We had that with Pinal County uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb in Arizona. He created a program like that. We had him on the show a couple months ago. I think that needs to be done everywhere. These are just some of the things that we need to do with this movement. Don't dance around in the end zone as if you have the ball in the end zone because you're not in the end zone. Remember, we have won smashing victories and within days, the loser Republicans took it away from us by giving the Democrats everything they wanted on the budget. We're going to have a budget battle in December. Or we have to make it a battle. Otherwise, they'll get what they want. We have to have a list of demands. And that's really where this show comes into play. Where everyone else kind of dies off, that's where we pick it up. 
because we focus on the issues and the policies and the principles of legislation, what we can do, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. And again, whichever way the election goes, we're going to need that. We're going to need that headed into state legislative sessions. Most legislatures meet at the beginning of the year. We're going to need that as well. These movements. But we'll see what happens. Now, obviously, if you want to have my prediction in the remaining hours, if you hear this before the election, I do think Trump's going to win. I still think he'll likely lose the popular vote, but that doesn't matter. He will win, in my view. I, I have him winning all the base states, plus all the Rust Belt, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Minnesota. So basically, last, last time's map, plus Minnesota, um, I really do think Minnesota is going to flip this time, um, but we'll we'll find out. Um, I don't have a good read on New Hampshire, but I think it's a little bit too college educated, so I didn't give that to him. I didn't give Nevada to him, as some other optimists do, because I just think the Democrat turnout machine in Clark County is too strong. I think he'll probably win it. Trump will probably uh, overperform there, but come up short. But I have the map at 316 for Trump. So we'll see what happens. What, what it seems to be happening is that the black turnout is down. Republican turnout is record. There's no evidence of this massive crossover vote. Um, in addition, this whole phenomenon of younger voters turning out clearly has not materialized. The fact that colleges aren't in session is actually another way that Democrats are locking down their own get-out-the-vote network. I'm hearing Democrats are even having trouble getting canvassers to go out because they're scared of the damn virus. And again, that would be the ultimate karma, the ultimate punishment for what they've done to us, where they screwed themselves up. We're seeing in Florida where Democrats underperformed early voting and they fired all the arrows in their quiver and they wasted it on those mail-ins, and they didn't convert one-to-one ratio, and now Republicans are crushing it on Election Day. That's what we're seeing so far. Again, you know, that could change, but that is where I see the state of the race. Um, What's phenomenal is that basically we all know the polls are off. We all know that there is a... it, 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 It is a hidden... Um, sort of a hidden vote. The question is by how much? Is it as much as Robert Cahaley of Trafalgar says it is, or is it less? That's the question. Meaning, until now, we needed the polls to be off even more because the polls had Trump way down. But the truth is, if you look at the polls that actually matter, the ones of the battleground states, not the national polls, which are garbage, it actually has it the same map as 2016. Same map. So basically what I did this morning, and you could check this out at the blaze, I took all of the RCP polling averages, the final averages for the 2016 election. Okay? And almost all of them, the polls were off significantly. It had a significant Democrat bias, and Trump overperformed it by you know, three to, to six points, some places a lot more. 
And what I noted is, if you take all of that, you will find that if you look at the current RCP averages, it basically shows you that Trump is totally killing it. And Trump is going to win. Now, it does show it still close, meaning if you believe, like some of my colleagues, that it's going to be a greater victory, as the Florida turnout seems to indicate at this point, then in that case, look, I don't know. In that case, the polls might be off more, and that's what the Trafalgar pollster will tell you. But my point is, even if you go with, this, with the, the, the deviation from last time, so, for example, Wisconsin RCP average last time was Trump plus 6.5. Now it's almost identical. Biden plus 6.6. It was off by 7.2. It would have Trump winning. Minnesota, would have, the bias was 8 points last time. That would have Trump winning because it has Biden up 4.3. Michigan, it, it would be Biden 0.3, so it's literally a nail-biter. The RCP average for Pennsylvania is down to 1.2 Biden. Last time, it was 2.1 Hillary. That would have a clear tr- uh, Trump win if you look at the deviation. You'd have Ohio and Iowa essentially being the same eight-point game. Trump would have the same North Carolina win. Florida would be about dead even because Florida actually, the bias back then, actually, actually was very little. The polls kind of got Florida right last time. But again, this time it seems like there's more of a more of a bias there. Would have him keeping Georgia. And again, there was no bias last time with Arizona. So if you look at the RCP average, it does have Trump, uh, Biden up one. It would have Trump losing. But first of all, it would have him winning Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. So he would win anyway. And if he does win, I don't think any of us see a scenario he's losing Arizona. And the reality is that the bias was in states like last time. If anything, the bias was against Trump. In other words, Trump underperformed the polls last time in Georgia and Arizona. But that's because those states really weren't in play. Republicans knew they were slipping in the long run, but they weren't. I mean, Georgia really, the Democrats talked about it at the beginning, but never really played. Arizona, they played a little bit, but it wasn't like this time. So, you know, they were kind of, Trump was caught by surprise. So he underperformed, only won it by three and a half. This time he went all out there. So that's the thing. Um, that's what the polls tell me again. And, and the polls could be wrong more than they were last time. But if, if you go with the same deviation from last time, it portends a Trump victory. It portends the same map. Now, if you want to say somehow there's going to be this stunning victory that the Florida returns almost seem like they're indicating, then obviously you'd have to have a greater, um, you know, flaw in the polls, which again, could very well be true. So, that's where I basically see the race now. Um, you know, Florida is very important because, again, not all states are created equal. Not all Republicans are created equal. Florida is almost like a presidential state for DeSantis, like a presidential agenda. We're going to follow in the coming months the legislative agenda in Florida. We usually focus on national issues. 
but the governor there is going to push some very good stuff. And if Trump somehow, I don't know, I mean, again, I could have egg on my face tomorrow, but if Trump winds up winning rather than by one point, but by three or four points in Florida, which for Florida, you know, given the deadlock nature of the state is a landslide, he will have a very big mandate and he'll likely pick up some seats in the state Senate. Um, and if that's true, Donna Shalala in South in Miami-Dade County will likely be toast in Congress, and maybe Republicans might be able to pick up one other seat there. That's another interesting thing, too. Um, nobody foresees Republicans flipping the House. I, I don't really see it even in the optimistic scenario just because of all the retirements and the fact that they failed to field candidates in a lot of places and really run campaigns to catch a windfall of a potential red wave. But I definitely see it as a possibility if, if you know, you have the optimistic scenario I'm talking about that they cut into the lead. They they needed 17 to win. Um, but you know, look, I mean, some of my colleagues are talking about this being a blowout and Trump overperforming in Virginia and look out Colorado and New Mexico again. I don't want to get people's hopes up. I don't know, but if that were true, then yeah, I think they could take back the house. Um, but again, you know, be careful what you wish for. Republicans are extremely insidious, extremely insidious. Um, so they could take a stunning victory and turn it into just a horrible loss. Remember, these are the same people that in 2010, when they won that historic Tea Party wave, they screwed us in that legislative session, you know, in the lame duck session thereafter. And they could do that. Right now, three hours into voting in Florida, and only two hours into the panhandle, because it's an hour later and it opened later, the split of R versus D turnout, we don't know the, who they voted for, is 51 24. So more than double their turnout. Again, Republicans always have to win by a large margin on election day, and they will and they do. That's when their voters turn out. But right now, they are way surpassing the benchmark they need to make up the early voting gap. Because again, Democrats, as we predicted, clearly they cannibalized even more of their election day voting than usual with the mail-ins, and they came up short. So I think that will be a big story. So there's a lot to look forward to. I don't want to spend too much time speculating. We'll all find that out. But this is looking to be very interesting. And I think you could see that bravado from the left is really, really uh, shrinking at this point. It's dissipating. Now, if Trump does wind up winning, I think the reality is it will be the biggest mandate ever. And the reason why it would be the biggest mandate ever is because he had everything in the world thrown against him. He had, I mean, every Google search, everything is censored. Every, it's almost, you almost cannot find a positive thing about him anywhere if you wanted to. And he really is not well-liked personality-wise. His numbers have come up at the right time, his approval, his personal faves, 
but they still would be the lowest of anyone re-elected as president. And that demonstrates an even bigger mandate because that shows it's all about the issues, the policy. It's not like Clinton and Obama, they love their personality. And we saw this throughout the Obama era where the voters didn't agree with him on the on the issues, but they really did like his persona and even leadership. You and I didn't, but they did. A lot of swing voters did. In this case, you can't run, you can't hide from the mandate. It is all about the issues. Because it would have meant that a lot of voters really disliked Trump personally, but they cared about the country and they under they agreed with him on the policies, and they certainly didn't want what the left is buying. So the message to the Democrats would be, the voters don't want your gutter ideology despite all the tailwinds and help from the media that you had and help from the polls. It's a psychological warfare. But the bigger message that we're going to focus on is the message to Republicans. Stop giving the Democrats everything they want because you say you're scared of the electorate when the electorate is telling you, run with it. In other words, a lot of people who go out and vote, vote for the lesser of two evils. But maybe for once we could finally make the result something beyond the lesser of two evils. Something that is aspirational and good inherently in itself. You see, the way I see the electorate and the arc of trajectory in, 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 in politics is this. Generally speaking, the demographics of America are getting more and more liberal. Obviously, you have the increasing, increasing immigration. You have the education system, the young voters that are all into socialism. The world where two generations is almost gone. Even the silent generation is, is, is pretty small. So, we got problems. But on the other hand, what's continuously happening is that the Democrats are so radical and they so cannot control themselves that they're out ahead of even where the demographics are at any given moment. And part of this is also Republicans, ironically, are helping because, you see, the Democrats never get a challenge. The Republicans give them what they want. So Democrats get even more emboldened and then they go on to the next level. They take the next ground thinking that this is where the electorate is because Republicans stupidly give it to them. And really, they're chewing off ground that they can't hold because the electorate cannot sustain the policies they want. And then they get caught holding the bag. Like, part of me is like, well, well if Trump wins, he's going to get crushed in the midterms and the Republicans will for sure lose next time. Historically, that's what's happened. But I, I could envision a scenario where the Democrats are so utterly insane like, by then, they'll be just, like, shooting up heroin on TV that the voters are just not going to want that. But again, the pitfall in that is it'll, the, the more radical the left gets, the more it allows Republicans, as you saw with some of those debates, to agree with the socialism, to agree with the jailbreak, to agree with the open borders, albeit one tranche milder than what the Democrats are selling at any moment. And therefore, that's enough to put them over the top. But ultimately, we wind up losing. And the Overton window keeps shifting inexorably to the left. 
But it doesn't have to be that way. Trump will have an, an unbelievable stunning mandate if he wins. We need to mobilize for the budget battles. We need to mobilize for a lot of this stuff. And let me give you an example of what we're going to be up against. If you look, this happened late last night. Federal judge blocks Trump rule designed to impede immigrants seeking green cards. This is their title. It doesn't really accurately describe it. U.S. District Judge Gary Feinerman in Chicago rejected a rule Monday implemented by the Trump administration that aimed to deny green cards to immigrants utilizing food stamps and other public benefits. Folks, this is... This is... Unbelievable, because, you know, likely Democrats will have the House even under the best scenario. We'll see what happens tomorrow. And they'll say, look, we can't pass things we want. So we'll be left further with what Trump can do executively. And what he can do executively is not to be lawless, but to merely enforce and implement current law. And current law, the 1996 Welfare Act, is very clear that immigrants cannot be a public charge. In other words, if they're likely to be a public charge, they're inadmissible, much less if they downright seek um, enrollment in these programs. The two work against each other. By definition, with very few exceptions, it is against the law for them to seek welfare benefits. That's exact. That was the whole point of the welfare reform bill Signed with very, you know, passed with very strong bipartisan majorities. Joe Biden <laughs> voted for it. And signed by President Bill Clinton. And yet you could have a federal judge that says, screw that. I don't like federal law. There needs to be a movement to push back against these judges. Because I'm just telling you, the Supreme Court might have gotten a little better, hopefully. But the Democrats are going to continue playing this game. And we don't have the time. We're going to need a 100-day plan to strike while the iron's hot. Obviously, the first thing is fire Fauci, banish Burks, remove Redfield. Jared, I mean, it would be nice if Jared and Ivanka could go back to New York. But I guess a more realistic outcome is to maybe confine him to foreign policy. Now is the time to strike. It's the time to strike on lawlessness, on sanctuary cities, on the border. I mean, folks, I talked about this yesterday. There's a whole article, an update from the El Paso Fox affiliate. Basically, they are now transporting more and more Mexican nationals to our hospitals at a time when we are locked down in order that we don't flood the hospitals, and they're directly flooding the hospitals with Mexican nationals. We were literally supposed to have a travel ban in place to stop this because you might have COVID. Now they're coming with COVID, and they're let in. This is unbelievable. El Paso hospitals are treating COVID-19 patients from Juarez, but country leaders don't know how many because they aren't being counted in El Paso's daily reports. 
131 Mexicans so far. Ambulance from Border to El Paso Hospitals. The hospitals in Juarez are full to capacity. Any little thing that's even non-life-threatening, they're bringing them over here because they're saturated. Their hospitals are saturated. That has to change. That has to change tomorrow. Frankly, no matter what the result of the election is. So we're going to have that. And yes, the debt needs, we need welfare reform. If Trump staunches the COVID fascism, then the economy will easily come back. If the economy comes back, that's the time to tell people, look, now's a time of job creation. Join the economy. And we really need to limit welfare. The spending needs to be dealt with. And then Trump needs to offer to small businesses under a certain size a special package of a moratorium on certain regulations and taxation for the next three years. Now, normally I'm not for this, like, you know, picking winners and losers, like I'm for universal stuff. But coronavirus fascism was the biggest market distortion handout to Walmart and Amazon and all the big companies ever. So you got to level the playing field. It's only fair, at least temporarily, until we could you know, bring back an equilibrium and have a real free market. We also needed a vision on healthcare, where we're not just talking about outbidding the Democrats on how much we could subsidize, but getting rid of the monopolies, getting rid of the regulations, getting rid of the market distortions, having healthcare freedom where shopping around for health insurance, but also health care on the supply side has an array of options and choices and competition that look more in line with the supermarket shelves of America than the supermarket shelves of Venezuela, like it does now. Make election results great again. Usually election wins don't work out well for us, as this audience is very well aware of. I am really excited by the input of this election. If the results go the way I think they will, it's not a vote for Martha McSally and Tom Tillis and Susan Collins and whatever else. And Mitch McConnell, for that matter. That's not what it is. It would mean that Trump would have squeezed out conservative voters that never came out, brought in new voters, some of them younger, that never voted, that no other Republican was able to turn out. It would be on a very different philosophy, very different vision, putting America first. It would be our mandate. The input is beautiful. The question is, what will the output look like? What will the output look like? And that's going to be up to us. Okay? The same movement that would have propelled Trump over the top could be there in every legislative session, every county council session. There would be no reason... Why in red counties, I mean, the mask mandates need to be gone. 
That is one of the first movements that needs to get off the ground. Let's make this election the greater of two choices, not the lesser of two evils. Now, I got to run and vote, stay in the line with that stupid mask if I could tolerate it. So I got to cut things a little bit short. But we're going to have, believe me, overtime, probably going to record in the middle of the night and have the show out, Wednesday show out much earlier. Make sure you go out and vote the right way. And most importantly, let's be prepared Wednesday morning to regroup, reload, no matter the outcome. Because our goal is always to live in a free country as long as we have it, as John Adams said. And we have it now. God has given us a lot of opportunities, a lot of sunrises after numerous sunsets to make it right again and again and again. And we squander them, and he gives us another choice. We squander it, he gives us another opportunity. Let's act on this as if it's our last opportunity, because it very well might be. Till tomorrow, God bless you all. Thank you for listening. And stay free and stay safe.